Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Feeding Grain Podcast. I want to thank you so much for listening. My name is Stephen Kilger. I'm the managing editor for Feeding Grain Magazine and also your host. We have a great show for you today. Clement Soule, the global additive category manager for Cargill Animal Nutrition. And he stopped by to talk about Cargill's recently released 2022 World Mycotoxin Report. If you're unfamiliar with the report, it was created from analyzing 135,000 plus wall material samples from across the globe, creating the, the largest, most in-depth look into mycotoxins in the industry. Clement breaks down how the report is created, what it contains, and how Cargill uses the data to help mitigate the effects of mycotoxins in animal production. I found the conversation really, really fascinating, and I hope you do as well. But before I can get to that, I have just a little bit of housekeeping. If you're listening to this podcast within a podcast app, please consider subscribing and or leaving a review. It really helps the podcast out. If you have an idea or topic you'd like me to cover, let me know. This podcast page on feedinggrain.com has a button right under the title that will let you send an email directly to me. I'd love to hear from you and talk to you about the podcast. All right, enough housekeeping. On to the conversation itself. Morning, Clement. Thanks for talking to me today. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do at Cargill? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm French agronomist, and I've been working most of my career in animal production, and most particularly on the feed additive space. So in 2018, I joined Cargill Animal Nutrition, and this uh, role was category lead in the global additive team. And I'm still part of this, let's say, no wider one global additive team, uh, which encompasses the legacy Cargill Animal Nutrition additive business, but also the Diamond V portfolio and the Delacon portfolio as well. This is why I say one wider one global additive team. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like that's kind of amazing considering how huge Cargill is that you guys get to kind of come together and be one team. Yeah, that is that's exciting project with quite some focus on that. We call it the, the microverse. So the universe of micro ingredients. It's kind of the internal way of describing this new one global additive team. And in this team, my role is to supervise the execution and deployment of the antimycotoxin solutions. So that's that's why I'm here today. Very cool. Well, that kind of brings us to the first question, which is this world mycotoxin report that you guys put out. This is your second year doing it. So why did you guys decide to put out this report? Because you could keep all this data to yourself. Why did you guys decide to put it together and then put it out that way? So I would say two things. First is we are active player on giving to our customers solution to mitigate mycotoxin risk or mycotoxin issues. But before providing the solution, you need to explain what is the issue or what is the pain. So showing where is mycotoxin and what is the contamination in the different region is also part of the process. You need to explain why, how it's impacting, and then you can come up with the solution. And for this database, we are also proud to own the world's largest mycotoxin contamination database with more than 300,000 analyses for raw material samples that we collect every year. So that aggregated data can be pretty important and interesting tool for many in the industry. Of course, for Cargill itself, because we are also highly interested to know where is the mycotoxin pressure then to act accordingly. 
But I think this it's also something that is important for our customers, contacts, network, be aware of. Idea is not to just keep it secretly, it's also to share this vast insight and experience. And it's a way to give a footprint, our footprint on the global understanding of mycotoxin contamination. Well, it's it's a fascinating report. I always love reports that have nice graphics and stuff because as I tell people, I'm just basically I became a journalist to become a student forever. I like those nice, clear global map. It's a great report. Anyone listening, if you haven't checked it out, there will be a link in the description. Please do. It's really fascinating read. So how was the data for the report gathered and then turned into the World Mycotoxin Report? That was a massive data centralization effort. Uh, so we managed to get in one place all the mycotoxin analysis performed at our Cargill laboratories. And it's coming from hundreds of locations. This can be from our animal nutrition business, like the feed mills, where we get truckloads of many ingredients and we test them. So that, that's one. But that's also coming from our grain trading business, some food and ingredient processing business. And that will also come from samples collected at customers and analyzed by ourselves in our facilities. So that's all this data that we managed to put in one place to see the contamination level for a lot of different raw material coming from a lot of different countries and places. So that's one. And then to make the report, we talk about the risk performance level, like what is the, the percentage of analysis above the risk performance level. So that's another aspect of the report. And for this, we have done some um, important work to define this performance risk level. And maybe we'll come back to that later, but that's these two. So getting the analysis number and then getting all the risk level estimation. And then we can do this global report saying in this, in this place, you have this, this level of risk for the animal. And here we don't talk about the regulatory risk level. And this is really the performance risk level for the animals. Yeah. Yeah. So. I did notice uh, mycotoxin contamination levels increased a little bit in the 2022 report versus the 2021 report, which I assume is for a lot of different reasons. Can you go a little bit into why you think that a little bit of an increase happened? Yeah. So there are two ways of seeing that. Now, for one, so we say that in 2022, we have 75% of these 30,000 analyses, which were positive, and it's 3% more compared to last year. So that's more what we call a prevalence increase. We see more positive results or more positive analyses. This can be due to better detection on one hand. On the other hand, this can be also due to higher contamination. So it's also interesting to look at what are the level of contamination. And, and when looking at the level of contamination, we also see an increase. So it means there are higher yeah, alenone levels or higher T2 levels or higher aflatoxin level, taking these three as an example. So we see this analysis above our, let's say, performance threshold increasing 4%. So yes, there is an increase, which is maybe due to better detection ability. And the more you look for mycotoxin, the more you find it. But that's also higher levels that are being measured. And I believe this can be multifactorial. One is course, seasonal weather variation. When you have changing weather pattern, you have also mycotoxin contamination levels, which may vary. Does not mean that it will always increase, but in some cases you are inducing more stress to the plant and then you see more mycotoxin produced. 
then talking about global level, that's kind of difficult. You know, then to go into details and explain, okay, in this part of the world, it was warmer or they were much more humid during the harvest. And then it explained more or less mycotoxin presence. But then there can be also, and I believe this is an important factor, when you have use of different raw material, like alternative ingredients, sometimes you find more contamination in the byproducts. So in years where raw materials are very expensive, you see more usage of byproducts, for example, distiller grains, and these are usually more contaminated. So that can also boost the level of, of mycotoxin overall. And then there are also other factors, agricultural practices. Um, we see less and less tillage, for example, in some places, lower fungicide usage, and that can increase the mycotoxin level. So that's why I'm saying it's multifactorial, but I believe the two main would be weather pattern and also changing somehow the ingredients that are used on the animal production. Oh, wow. It's a complicated, <laughs> it sounds like there's a lot going on. And it must change so much depending on what region you're from, right? And looking at the report, you can see that, I mean, even cargo, which is this huge, like some areas of the country, you don't have complete data for. And with the weather changes and everything like that, too, it seems like like you're going to have mycotoxins that you didn't really usually have to deal with just because you have completely different weather systems than you had last year because climate change and how that's all happening. Exactly. It's very hard to predict and to really say, okay, this is how it will look like next year. But that's why we believe it's important to monitor because that's complex. As you said, it's very complex. It's not just, you. oh, it's warmer than I have more aflatoxin. It's not that simple. So you really need to monitor because it's really multifactorial, the mycotoxin. So it's important to monitor. And this is why Cargill is keeping doing so much analysis to make sure that we are really able to monitor the mycotoxin level of the grain. We use that we trade or, or that we sell and that's something important monitoring making analysis so for sure in the future we'll keep doing analysis probably more and more as long also as the regulatory aspect is asking for more and more testing of mycotoxins really interesting was there anything in the report that kind of surprised you now that this is your second year into it or any patterns or anything that you're seeing that are you're like oh okay interesting to me, something which I found very interesting on the first report and which was confirmed with the second report is the high level of contamination. Because sometimes looking at some uh, publication or other reports, level of contamination was said to be, I don't know, 40, 50, 60. But actually, we've seen that 75% of the analyses were positive and above 90% of the samples were contaminated with at least one mycotoxin. So that's really high. It's a very high level of contamination. And maybe the second aspect that we managed to do for this second edition is monitoring the whole contamination for multiple contamination. And what is uh, interesting is that, well, not big surprise, but interesting, the more mycotoxin you test for, the more you find. And typically the, um, for the samples that were tested for three mycotoxins, 85% were above detection limits for two or three mycotoxins. So co-contamination is really the rule. So it's something which is interesting because when you have multiple contamination, you may have more issues, more challenges for your animal. Well, I read one of your, I don't believe it's you, it's your colleague that had the column on uh, the mycotoxin impact calculator that you guys are putting out, which really seems 
like an interesting innovation that Cargill is offering its customers. Can you tell me a little bit about it? As I mentioned, it's important to show first where is the where is the pain or where is the issue. And then it's very important to show how much this is impacting the operation. Because sometimes mycotoxin can be the easy guilty or the invisible um, guilty as well. So important to put numbers on that and realistic numbers on that. So we, we've been developing equation to say, okay, with this level of mycotoxin, these are the real symptoms you will observe. And sometimes you will not observe any significant symptoms, but then this is the performance loss you may lose. Then sometimes it's just 0.5% performance, 1% performance. But when you raise a lot of animal, 0.5 or 1% performance loss can really impact the bottom line. So this is a calculator where you enter the, the mycotoxin level. Uh, and then it will tell you, okay, for this, for the species or the subspecies you are interested in, this is the real impact you may observe. And this is the real performance loss you will have. Then it will offer the suggestion for an antimycotoxin usage at the recommended dose. And then it will tell you, okay, based on the loss you have and the investment you will do on an antimycotoxin product, this is the return on investment you will do. Really interesting. This entire project, the reason it fascinates me so much is it seems like the future. This is something that our technology has finally allowed us to do. And it's really interesting that you guys are taking advantage of it and now offering a solution as well. You're able to do more than just point out the problem. You're able to come up with, oh, this is a solution and this is what you should do to mitigate it. That's fascinating. This is very important because we are also user of this as a uh... In many countries, we also produce feeds, so mycotoxin is a concern. We also produce meat, protein producer as well. So this is important, huh? performance impact. How much should I invest in an anti-mycotoxin solution to do some good return on investment? We don't want to go with a blind approach, blinded approach. So, and that's something we want to, to bring to the customer because we believe this is the best way to be seen as a trusted advisor on that space. Excellent. Well, those are all the questions I have that you want to bring up. No, I mean, thank you very much for the invitation. I think that's a really exciting topic. We still have a lot to discover and we are investing on that space as well. So I'm sure we will discuss again in the future to talk about new exciting stuff on mycotoxins. Yeah, I hope so. Keep us in mind for anything you come out with. And hopefully we can talk next year once the 2023 report comes out. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you everyone for listening and stay safe out there.